We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And there have been several reports about Lakers assistant coaches, and we're here to talk about them today. I think... I'd like to start just kind of in a general sense, D, some of the guys that, according to media reports, we're talking Chris Gent, uh, got a report about Jordan Ott yesterday. Uh, I believe his name's Skyler Rimmer. And then we've had some off and on reports about, you know, Rashid Wallace. Based on what we know, D, what's your general impression of the coaching staff? My general impression is I did not know who many of these people were. <laughs> that's my, yes. gen- look, that's my general impression. And we've sort of, talked about assistant coaches a fair amount in the run-up to the Lakers hiring a former assistant coach as Mm -hmm. their head coach, right? And so assistant coaches, by nature, Mike, I think head coaches prefer that assistant coaches be fairly anonymous. They don't speak to the media a lot. They certainly don't get a chance to like speak in terms of like national media presence or things like that, right? They may get some shine during the local broadcast or a little run in or run out of halftime. Mike, you may have had some hits going back into the third quarter with an assistant coach who had some things of points of emphasis to hit on, right? But we don't know a lot about assistants a lot of times. And I was trying to dig up information on Chris Gent, for example, right? Because when the news broke that he would potentially be the lead assistant, well, that's a more prominent and important mm-hmm. role on a staff. Like Mike Brown was just Steve Kerr's lead assistant and Kenny Atkinson sort of backed out of the Hornets job and became the lead assistant for Steve Kerr. And so these guys, I often look at the lead assistant as like the consigliere, like the next guy in line and mm-hmm. the, the sort of chief dude. And so in looking at Jen, I was just like, oh, okay, he's a grinder, long history in the league, coached LeBron at a certain point when um, in LeBron's, I think, first stint in Cleveland, um, has a background as a shooting coach and one of those guys who can really get out on the floor. And and assist with with players. And Mike, I think 
to me, that was one of the things that stood out in reading up some of the back on these coaches is that they almost all have a background in player development, and that includes Darvin Ham. So in terms of my general feels, like not a lot of like head coaching experience, which is what I think a lot of fans look towards is like, how good is your staff? It will, were any of them former head coaches? But I wasn't necessarily looking at it from that perspective. It was more like I don't really have a lot of ties to any of these guys. And so I'm coming in with a blank slate on a lot of them. Well, the first th- the thing that you said right there that kind of struck me related to what Darvin said in his press conference where somebody asked about offense, defense and what's what kind of coach is he. And he's he kind of responded. He's like, hold on, man. Like, coaching is everything. You know, coaching mm-hmm. is development, coaching is offense, coaching is defense, coaching is leadership, coaching is these are all things that I think it's in one way. He's almost suggesting like, hey, what do you mean? Just a specialist? Like, no, that's lazy. That's not how we do things like we all know it all. And we all get in there and, and combine and kind of coalesce around an idea for a team. And I, too, don't know a lot about these assistants that are coming in, although Pete did send a pretty entertaining I guess it was a compilation of highlights of Gent. Oh yeah, this time Gent, in Australia. I, yeah, loved me some Gent. I remember Gent as a player, but just continue. a swag pro. Um, yeah, man, he's yeah. <laughs> just in terms of like attitude, like the people the th- that I'm just familiar with that yeah. are kind of involved in this equation. I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is great. This is the perfect like personality wise. Can they coach? We shall see. But like just in terms of personality, I, I like it. Yeah, so I enjoyed you guys. Maybe Pete will send the link out to that clip at some point, but that was fun. And, and I'll have to do like <laughs> the other part of this is before I kick it to Pete. So I spend more time probably during the season talking to assistant coaches than anything else um, there. Mm-hmm. First of all, and especially now that there are a lot of them um, going on down to the video coordinators, who, by the way, I'm really thankful are back because the Lakers have some good ones, including Drew Anthrop um, and JP. Um, John Pastrick, who's not in the video room anymore, but does some advanced scouting. And go ahead, Pete. Can, can I jump in? JP yeah. is like six foot eight, and JP has been banging yeah, with our Santa big Barbara. Ben. Yeah, played at Santa Barbara. But he's been the dude that's been like assigned, like, go have Ivica Zubats kick your ass for like 15, 20 minutes before a game. Yeah, and then like some other big dude or Dwight, right? So JP's been doing that for at least three years, maybe four, if I count it wrong. And so this this Skyler Rimmer dude from he's from Milwaukee. Dude's like 6'10", 240. So I am rooting. One of the first people I thought of when I read that, I almost sent this to you guys last night, was like, does JP get to retire from getting his ass kicked by multiple big men every night? I hope so. He's he's served his time. I mean, look, he he competes with those guys. That's his job. You know, that's his job. He, I, he that's a pretty cool him, job, he, man. Yeah. He can give it out a little bit too, um, yeah. JP. And he can space you out. He can shoot some threes. But <laughs> my my point in thinking about assistant coaches is that it, I've I've just learned a lot about the league. Uh, from these guys. And if you think you know a lot about basketball and because you like to watch a lot of league pass, trust me, you're not watching as much as these guys are. Um, you're not just watching league pass and then breaking down the individual clips of each player and then watching them with that player and then going into the coaches meeting. I mean, these guys, it's a true 24 seven, 365 job um, that these guys do. And there's so much to be gained from that. And so I'm just glad that Darwin seems to be bringing in his guys and that was something that I don't know was always the case that Frank Vogel got to bring in a ton of his guys just because of the way that that coaching staff shaped out. So um, yeah. that to me is is key in having some synergy within the coaching staff, which then can kind of play into synergy with the players. I Yes, absolutely. And that 
the the list of guys like that whole grinder idea. If you look at their where have they where have they had a job in basketball, be it as a player or as a coach or just in some role, and you look at their Wikipedia's, it's you know they're somewhere different. Every few they've been all around the world in different roles at some of the lower levels of basketball, and that's what I don't think people realize is like ninety five percent of the people who do the work in basketball operations around uh, the league, but even in the broader basketball community, you've never heard of. They don't get paid very much. It's like this labor of love, and it's it's this. But it is being in that grind from a day-to-day basis. That assistant coach that you're talking about, Mike, that's watching the film, then sorting it and separating it, and then breaking it down, and then having to communicate that with a player and collaborate with them while also doing that with the head coach. It's kind of this in-between place, right? But they are the people who do a lot of the actual work, right? Like the higher up you get in terms of, this is true of any business, but the more the people higher up are making decisions rather than actually doing. And the assistant coaches are the people, I think, who actually do a lot of the basketball and get the rubber to the road. And so you having so much like experience with them. I'd love just to hear your thoughts on like, what do assistant coaches do just as a general rule? What have you learned over the years? Yeah, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. It's, it's so there. And I do want to say that some head coaches like Vogel was one of these guys also like to do all the film work themselves. And then, Mm. and then they basically compare notes with the assistants that are always doing all of the work. But one of the things that just to focus on Darvin Ham for a second, because that he was an assistant coach, of course, with the Lakers, so I would do those interviews, the scouting reports, essentially, for Lakers.com, and then they would put them in the arena. And that's one major thing is that the head coach at the beginning of the season will divide up the opponents and assign teams to each of not each of, but usually it's the lead assistant coaches, like the front bench coaches. Sometimes one of those scouts can get can get moved to somebody on the back bench if that's something that they're um, that they're trying to increase what that coach is able to learn. And then that coach will will present um, what he has found and essentially an idea for a, a scouting report to the rest of the coaching staff, including the head coach. Now, again, sometimes this depends on what the head coach, sometimes the head coach likes to make his own plan and then mix that with the one that the scout makes. And sometimes the, it's a, so it's a two man job. Sometimes it will just sort of, Hey, this is, this is good. We've now played this team two, uh, two times already. This is the third time. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't. So the scouting is certainly a major part of it. And then, that's but that's just one piece and to avoid me going on too long um Darius like when you think about the the player development that has to occur on top of the scouting that sometimes to me is where things can uh can not really get not get tricky but it's just it's a lot it's a never-ending thing so I'd, I'd be curious for your thoughts on on how that works amongst the staff when we get back We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mike, that idea of it being a 24-7, 365 job, like being an assistant basketball coach is like a labor of love. It is a full-on like I am dedicated to the game. You think you love the game, just like you said. Well, Mike said, you think you know the game, talk to an assistant coach. Well, you think mm-hmm. you love the game, mm-hmm. go be an assistant coach at any level yeah. of basketball, right? And grind and toil away and be there as a thought partner for the other assistant coaches and for the head coach. And then roll up your sleeves and go do all the damn work. And that work that you're laid out like, okay, each coach typically has like two or three guys who are their guys that are on the roster that they're going to like work out with and they're going to like basically partner with. And and so you'll see like Phil Handy, for example, before games. And when I was up in uh, Chase Center watching Phil do his pre-pregame work, it's just like there he is doing pregame work with Austin Reeves or there he is doing pregame work with Stanley Johnson. And Pete, you had mentioned um, – the work that gets done with the big men. And there's all of this idea of like, these are the things that as a coaching staff, we think are going to be important for the development of this specific player or for the growth or for the maintenance of this particular veteran. And the coach, that assistant coach then is in charge of implementing that and following that and providing feedback and keeping that player motivated and locked in within the context of what they want to do. And this is all like some of this is game day work. A lot of it is off game day work. And then and then there's all the film and tape study that they're doing, not only on those individual players, Pete, that are like their responsibility, but on the entire team. And then, as Mike mentioned, for the upcoming scout that is their that is their team that they've been been assigned. And so guess what? Like if your teams, Mike or Pete, are okay, my teams are the Indiana Pacers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Detroit Pistons. And the New York Knicks. Okay, well, now you're on a road trip. And maybe two or three of those teams that are your teams are on that road trip. And so guess what? You got a lot of work to do in terms of getting all of those scouts together in order to prepare and trade notes with the head coach about like the this is what they do. This is what they're what this is what they run. These are their calls. These are their 
favorite ATOs. This is what they go to at the end of a shot clock. Like these are player preferences. This is all kinds of stuff. And you're packaging that and then being able to distill that information clearly to everyone so that they can absorb it and then implement it into the game plan when they're out on the court. Like assistant coaching is such an important job. And I feel like we often just gloss over it because and then be like, oh, well, Frank Vogel's trash or Frank Vogel's great. You see what he did when there's all of this work that the assistants do in Mm -hmm. order to get everyone prepared as well. Backstage Lakers had some tremendous footage this year of the exact scene that you're painting of them in some ballroom on the road with the TV rolled out and they're going over. This is, you know, this is who we're playing tonight. This is what they're good at. This is what we're looking for. Uh, And so there's kind of this overview overall type of presentation that the head coach generally gives on on the day of a game or whenever you're going through this. And that is dispersed into smaller details of which the assistant coaches are those people who are in charge of like carrying it out on the ground. But Darvin Ham's been doing that for the last decade. You know who, what his games are this year? It's not the Lakers and the Hawks and the Knicks. It's all of them. All 82 games are Darvin Ham's games this year. And so what do you see on that D like, what's that change uh, in terms of, like what how how does Darvin Ham's life change, do you think, as a coach from from last year going on? Well, they say that there's no bigger jump in the league, right, than like the eight inches or twelve inches or whatever that you move over from the lead assistant seat to the head mm-hmm. coach's seat. Like it's it's a massive change. And being able to wrap your arms around all of those new responsibilities and be the main voice of leadership. I think Ham is been building towards this for a long time. He's wanted to be a head coach for a long time. He's been interviewing. He was on the Dan Patrick show recently and Ham made like he made a joke because he said that over the last several years, sometimes young coaches would come up to him and say like, hey, what does it take to become a head coach in the league? And he laughed. It was just like, you're asking the wrong dude. <laughs> He's like, I'm not sure yet. I ain't done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I ain't done that. But so I think that there's always going to be some trial by fire. I do trust that he's been around long enough to sort of seen those rituals and if not gone through them himself, just been a part of those to understand what it all is. But do you have concerns about like first time head coach and then with the type of staff that he's assembling where it's just like, okay, well, there's not a Mike Brown who had been to an NBA finals before or a Kenny Atkinson who had been around the league for decades, right? There's a feel handy. Phil right. Handy makes me feel a lot better about the whole overall dynamic, just in terms of like guy who's been there. That's the the thing, right? With a, a first time head coach, one of the things that you maybe hope for is okay. Maybe this is a, a young, talented coach, first time, could be a very good coach, but he sure could use somebody who has been there before. And that is where my mind goes, Mike, is Phil Handy as, as someone that even if he's not the top assistant or whatever the, that Gent is assigned, like that Handy has been in in those circumstances at the highest levels of basketball. Well, and I also think it helps to have LeBron James. Uh, that's you know, that's the thing that yes, thank you as a <laughs> yeah as a head coach, right? That because yeah. what eventually, as we remember about coaching, the coaches don't actually play, 
And so you can have all these great plays and you can have all this great motivation and all this kind of stuff. And if your players are trash or if your players aren't locked in or if your players aren't smart. Right. So it, there has to be that, too. And this is not the part of the of the podcast where I dismiss coaching. Um, not at all. It's just a re- it's just a reminder. Um, and I think that's why if you ask Darvin Ham, LeBron's name is going to come up pretty quickly. Um, and, and of course, there are some other veterans on, on the roster as well. But I think that. In terms of not having somebody that's really done it and been there before, there is a challenge there. There is a learning curve. There are things that are there are mistakes that are going to be made. And that just has to be sort of understood. And just like I I was thinking when they were trying to figure out who to hire, it doesn't mean, though, that you hire the guy that's been a head coach a million times over the guy that hasn't, because that sometimes it's good to have a fresh take um, on that. And sometimes it's good to fail. Uh, during the season and then grow, you know, as long as the attitude to do so is good. And as long as they're sort of the heart is pure in that pursuit of it, then I think there are going to be people like Phil Handy, certainly like LeBron and these other coaches who have been around any number of head coaches that can share what, what it was like for um, what in the case of a lot of these guys like Buttonholzer or Kenny Atkinson or whoever that they may have worked for um, at various places. Some of those ideas will be had in these coaches meetings uh, that go on and on and on in many cases. So uh, I just, I just want to continue to emphasize the players and how that relationship between Darwin and LeBron is probably just as important, if not more than Darwin and any of his assistant coaches. I'm so glad you you brought up the, the players in that respect because they are part of the council, if you if you will, right? In terms of who decides what direction are we going in, because that was something that just at its most fundamental level, that's where last season went arise. We tried to go in three different directions and didn't really go anywhere. We just fractured because we tried to go in three different directions. And I I see a lot of alignment so far. We're very early, right? So I don't want to act like it's like, oh, it's going to be all good for me. Like, I don't know that, but I see a lot of alignment in terms of, you know, these are, these are Darvin Ham's guys. This is LeBron was very enthusiastic about Ham's hire. Gent has a history with LeBron and LeBron has quotes about uh, how much he likes Gent. And like the idea of coaches being LeBron's guys kind of has this like tinge to it that has a negative connotation. Right. But I think like, LeBron knows who is legit and who is not. And like, if you want to become LeBron's guy, be really good at your job. And well, it's like that old like you, right? Well, it's like that old thing that you said about Ham. And I don't know if you said this on a pod or offline, Pete, but that quote that Kevin Arnovitz had about Mike Budenholzer not suffering fools and how he had Darvin Ham around for like a decade plus, right? And so you're not going to stick with a guy like, Budenholzer, just like Budenholzer came from the Popovich tree, you're not going to stick with Greg Popovich. You're not going to stick with LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or any of these dudes who have reached the pinnacle and maintained and stayed at the pinnacle of their respective areas within the game for as long as they have. If you're not worth something yourself, Right. If you're not bringing value to the table, no one's keeping you around just because you're the homie. Mm -hmm. So that's why Ham calling back on people that he thinks that are worth their weight and will bring value to the table. That's super important. So let's go to break here. And on the other side, we'll continue our conversation about assistant coaching and just what we think about next year's team. 
I have a question for you guys. Start start with you, Mike. What do you think this what do you think is the biggest challenge that this coaching staff faces going into next season at this point, not knowing what the roster is, right? Which is obviously one of the most important ingredients, but just as, as a group, having talked to a lot of assistants over the years and a lot of experience, you know, with them, what, what do you foresee their challenges are? Well, you just said it, Pete, it's the roster. I mean, you, how do you build a plan when you don't, and the NBA is different from some other sports too, because let's say in the NFL, you take a job and who's your quarterback? Well, if it's Tom Brady, right, you know, that's a good place to start. If it's Russell Wilson, if it's even if it's Lamar Jackson, right, and you know you're going to be a certain type of team and you can build out the roster from there, that's not how basketball works. Like One guy on the court can impact the way that you can play. And we saw that we see that with Russell Westbrook is one of those kind of guys. Uh, Anthony Davis is one of those kind of guys in the other way where you can play any kind of way. And that's great. Mm -hmm. Oh, Anthony Davis on my roster? roster? Okay. Cool. Like we that's can be not, anything. Yeah. We can do. Yeah, we can do what we want offensively, defensively. So the first to me right now, it's more about relationships, you know, talk, meeting every guy on his page, forming a bond, you know, getting in the gym, like getting shots up, player development, all that kind of stuff. And you can't do a ton of scheming, I guess, until you at least know what that roster is going to be. And then to complicate that further. And this uh, this really revolves around Westbrook. A lot of this discussion is just kind of if he is on the team and what his role is going to be. And Darwin has already hit on that some. But if they're whether for Westbrook or somebody else is a, a major trade at some point in the season that can shift the way that you play. So I, to avoid us getting back into the same conversation we've had several times, I think there's a way to for Darwin to approach this with, you know, centered more on LeBron and AD. Um, but I think for that to really come into fruition you know, check back with me in about three weeks when free agency is over and when the roster is set. And that's when the I think the meetings really start to happen as to, OK, here's here's what here's our initial idea at the starting five. What do you what do you think? You know, assistant coach A, what do you think? Scout B or a video coordinator B like on around the room is how do you think about, OK, what about the bench rotation? And then those conversations crystallize over the course of several months to the point of training camp where they've got their idea and then they bring the guys in and it kind of goes from there. But it, it has to start with what the roster is. I agree. But there's also like one thing that kind of butted heads with the roster, I thought last year was what the coach fundamentally stands for matters and it will have an on-court impact in terms of how things are, are are applied. And over the years, assistant coaches especially, if you talk to a, an assistant coach or a scout or a head coach, a film room person, they have extremely well-developed opinions on basketball subjects because they all of that time that they put into it, of course, they're going to have passionate beliefs that come with that. And they don't always agree with, within that, but that serves as a foundation for when those grinders make it all the way to the top to that head coaching position, they have developed a coaching philosophy within that. And so the one thing I would put just ahead of the roster is that coaching philosophy in the first place. Who are we and what do we stand for as a coaching staff? I think that matters and is a, a fundamental part of the equation. And, and Darwin just, did hit on some of that. Yeah. So, right. You're, so you're right to mention that. So the four out, one in, right? That like that kind of concept, defensive first. So that has to be taken into account when building the roster. So you're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like just like – 
like Frank Vogel had his reasons for believing what he did about and prioritizing what he did, as does a guy like Darvin Hammond. So that's going to matter. And then just in a long-term sense, the biggest challenge for, I think, a guy like that is in-game adjustments. That's the fastest, hardest part of coaching is you can plan, you can get in the gym and roll up your sleeves and work with a guy one-on-one. But in a game, the ability to recognize and adjust like from play to play, because the game's so fast, that's probably... I think the biggest adjustment just in a, in a practical sense. Yeah, there's all, man, coaching, there's so many layers and levels to coaching. The, the one thing I think that him will benefit from is that as the new guy, you automatically get this honeymoon period. And I think how long the honeymoon period lasts is going to depend on how successful you are coming out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think Ham's biggest challenge is the synergy between his messaging, his plan and success early on, because success early on is what's going to maintain buy in when you don't have a lot of history behind you saying that what you do think works. Yep. So there's been reporting out there right now that like Mike D'Antoni is back in the mix for the Hornets job right after Kenny Atkinson stayed with the Warriors. Well, Mike D'Antoni is going to have no problems getting people on board with his offensive vision because <laughs> yeah. his offensive vision is has a proven track record of success in the NBA and people get their numbers and his teams are almost always at or near the top of the league in terms of offensive efficiency. And so, and the player running that system probably has a decent contract waiting for them at the end of it with the numbers that you can put up. Yes. And so there's this, there's all of this history of that. And so this is where the two things in terms of honeymoon period and newness bump up against each other. Mm. And to me, navigating that is going to be a challenge for Ham, I think. And so, yes, Pete, like when you get to game 10 and you're talking about in-game adjustments and how do things go and how quick are you and all and, and all of that – Super important. And Mike, in two weeks from now, when the Lakers are in the midst of free agent meetings and who are they prioritizing and what are they doing and Ham's fingerprints on that process within the relationship that he has with the front office and Rob Polinka, that's super important as well. But when I think about the challenge of what he's going to be as a head coach, I always think about the biggest part of coaching is generating and maintaining buy-in. And if you can generate and maintain buy-in, those dudes will follow you anywhere and they Mm -hmm. will keep doing the thing that you're asking them to do and they will do it to the best of their ability. And these guys are all so good at what they do. All of them in the NBA, all of them are so good. And the Lakers are blessed to have a couple of guys who are beyond so good that you're going to have success when things start to go wrong is a, when you don't have those dudes available, the dudes who you built everything around when those dudes aren't there, but where you really don't have success is when those dudes are there and they're just sort of blase Mm -hmm. about whatever's going on. It's just like, ah, I'll make that rotation next time. Maybe you don't, you don't have that buy-in. That's right. And so ham's ability to generate buy-in, I think it's going to be easy at first. New guy, honeymoon period. Everyone wants to like sort of like teachers, almost like teacher's pet idea, right? Like, oh, here's the new person. We're going to impress the new guy and we're going to do do our best. What's that look like after all of training camp? What's that look like after 
two weeks of the season, after a month of the season, after six weeks of the season. And that's where that idea of the synergy between what I'm preaching and how successful it is and how you maintain that buy-in. That's where I'm looking for Ham to be his best. And that's a long way out. And there's a lot of building between now and then, but that's sort of where my North Star is in terms of Ham's biggest challenges and where it all lies for him. I think there's a good amount of internal motivation, I, I, I would hope, for the guys that don't have anything to do with the coaching staff that are just like, a all right, we got some time off. We got some time to get healthy. Let's go. Let's go get it this year. I hope that I, I and I feel that that there is that right. That there is that. Uh, you know, the bubble tax has been paid, uh, and it's time to to get after it. Maybe this is an invention in my own mind, Mike. But that's just kind of the energy that I feel going in, into this season and going forward. And that's kind of what uh, Ham communicated. That roll up your sleeves. We've got work to do. That that's the phrase that keeps going through my my mind. Is we've got work to do. So. That's an advantage for for a guy like Ham is if the dudes are motivated going into the season anyway, and you're in that honeymoon period that Darius is talking about, like, I think some good things can happen there. The key there for me, uh, I know that we've been talking mostly about coaching, but I think of Anthony Davis and Darvin Ham being asked what is the key or really I just asked about Davis and saying that he's the key. And mm -hmm. in fact, I just I just put a piece up. At least it should be up um, it, by the time this comes up on Lakers.com today about Davis. And, you know, if A.D., the, the way that he comes in from an attitude standpoint and how much he wants to get after it in the first week of the season versus sort of, yeah, it's a long season. Like, we'll see where we're at. Like his, his mindset to me is going to be such a key. And what kind of an impact can Darvin Ham have on that? What are, is there a new assistant coach? Is there one of these guys that will end up being around Davis more? Sometimes you see things like that happen. Uh, and I was thinking back to when Quinn Snyder was one of Mike Brown's assistants and he and Kobe just sort of gravitated towards each other. That told me something, right? Kind of right from the start. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting, you know? Mm. And mm. so that that's, sense, yeah. that's the kind of thing that I'm just thinking of where what's, is there something that Davis can just bring in on his own? Is there something that Darvin or one of his assistants can come, can come with to, with Anthony Davis, whether it's something physically or something mentally I don't worry at all about LeBron in that sense, right? LeBron is the ultimate self-starter uh, in in that way. And so how can – that's why, to me, Davis is the key in this sense. Well, LeBron's really the key, but we know kind of what to expect as long as he can stay on the floor uh, and getting through the season. But what's AD's headspace going to be for 2022-23? Yeah, I think that will determine if we come out hot or not to begin the season. And I think that it's important for us to come out hot. I, ideally, I would like us to kind of mirror the Golden State's regular season. I understand that it's probably not going to be a team that can just be like Memphis Grizzlies, foot on the gas for a full 82 type of squad. But um, I do think that the ability to show what you what we are, at least in the first half of the season, and maybe there's a dip in the middle. Um, and I think that we don't we won't have that type of continuity to fall back on so our dip would not uh it couldn't be as long as golden states was to kind of recall the good things about what they have but i do think that getting off to a good start is important and all of these factors are kind of combining to build that wave that i talk about d that you know and so i think that i don't know where do you stand on that i think ad is that key because if he comes out with that mentality i think that that becomes a whole lot likelier he is. And I actually wrote about this. And there's I, I wrote about Anthony Davis too, Mike. And I have a post up at Silver Screen and Roll today about that. Um, because Ham had made some interesting comments about AD on that Dan Patrick interview that I referenced earlier. 
Ham had said that availability is super important for Anthony Davis, obviously, but what's also super important is showing AD the support through the rest of the roster as well and making sure that they're not looking at AD. And this is me paraphrasing, and this is my interpretation of his words, but that you can't look at AD as this savior who's just going to do everything for you and have to fly around the court everywhere and make up for everyone's mistakes because he's Anthony Davis and he's the one who has his fresh legs. Right. And I feel like that's some messaging to Russell Westbrook. It's a messaging to the rest of the roster like, hey, man, y'all need to buy in and do everything defensively so that this dude doesn't take the pounding of having to play in isolation all of the damn time and fly around the court and Mm -hmm. make defensive plays for everyone because everyone's getting beat at the point of attack. And then there's implications on that from Anthony Davis' side, right? Like Mm -hmm. what type of shape are you going to come into camp on? Like what what is your mindset, the stuff that you guys were mentioning here? And that connectivity within the context of the team that is that is the coach's job it it is facilitating that environment that's going to bring the players together so that they're all on the same page and rowing in the same direction and i think you're right pete like where things went wrong last season is how the lack of success facilitated that fracturing it spiraled. Right? Yeah. And then everyone starts to second guess what like what are we doing? And no what one we're doing in isn't, anyone. like yep. what we're doing isn't actually working. Yeah. And so you want me to buy in. Why am I gonna buy in if we're down by 20 again in the third quarter? And then meanwhile, the coaches are probably thinking, well, shit, if y'all just played hard. We might just, actually if you just did be what we asked. Game. Yeah, like you might actually be in the game and this the players are just like like, well, we're out here doing our best. And then and then you're in the tape sessions and you're just like, is that actually your best? And then it's it's all this back and forth about the things that yeah. are wrong. Yeah. Right. And if you carry that energy for too long, that becomes your default. That becomes your idea of who we are as a team. And that's the opposite culture that you're trying to build. And that's why I'm talking about ham and success and building on things and actually seeing the results. Because if you don't get the results early on, Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's hard to think that you're actually going in the right direction. And this goes back to like some of the stuff that Mike was saying during our finals coverage about Ime Doka and the Celtics and what you were mentioning, Pete, is that it's hard to, tur- to have the sort of turnaround that they had in season. And you have to build the right habits. That's where I think the Lakers really need to get off on the right foot. What are your habits? And it goes back to the point Love that it. you were making, Pete, yes. is, is like, what do we stand for as a coaching staff and how do we instill that into the players that now we stand for that as players and now as an organization and as a team we all stand for the same things and we're all going to walk that path arm in arm together in order to accomplish our goals right and standing in the face of that is all of these other people that are going to tell you no or all those other teams that are out there like no well we're here to kick your ass that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. And you're going to stand up to them and you're going to take it from them. And that's, if I see anything in Ham, it's that fight that he's yep. had to have his entire life in order to get to the positions that he has. That's where I'm encouraged about where the team is going and with the staff that he's building to bring it back full circle. 
All right, guys, this was fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to that day-to-day habits and exploring them. I think that um, this is going to be a fun summer in terms of uh, exploring player development. And so we are not going to be back tomorrow. We won't record tomorrow because we have the draft tomorrow night. And so the next pod will come out in the aftermath of the draft. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Rebound is lining. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the a lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two, one. Listen! Bryant! Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.